Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 208. Kyle Bennett, Dylan Mazzola, and making his main show debut, the man, the myth, the legend, the leader of the Potables Boys, Process Potables, our Sixers and Beer podcast right here on Underground Sports. Mr. Dan Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Uh, guys, as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall. It's tax season, guys. The only person you should be going to is our friend Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and of course, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and all our shows powered by our friends who still need to eat a t-shirt, Design Tree. Fellas, we got to talk about the NBA trade dead line because it's been absolutely <laughs> dead. We've got uh, the Birds officially not having an offensive coordinator. Hammer time's on hold, oh. sadly. We'll have a little bit of uh, preseason baseball talk potentially in there. And and we'll have hockey speaking hey. with Dilly Dilly to wrap up things. But first of all, the NBA trade deadline is upon us. Uh, one trade has gone down, and it's because the Timberwolves have not won a game since November. And uh, they just wanted to appease NBA Twitter and made a four-team trade that involved one Robert Covington heading to the Houston Rockets. Other than that, not much else has happened, and it's pretty disappointing because the deadline is tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, there's not much else that has happened so far, but there was a uh, a bit of a Woj bomb just a couple minutes ago. Uh, Woj said, Pat Riley clearly sees an opportunity to make a run with these Heat. Riley has been working the trade for Memphis, Andre Iguodala, and Oklahoma City's Danilo Gallinari. League sources tell ESPN talks are ongoing. So Iguodala is a guy that a lot of teams are rumored to be interested in. And I'm not sure at this point, especially having taken all this time off, which you may think would be good for his health, but already at this point, a below average shooter and a streaky shooter at best. It's going to be interesting to see if he can even work himself back to close to what he was. And watching him last year, he kind of looked like a shell of himself already. So I don't know that he's going to move the needle quite the way people think, but Danilo Gallinari on the Heat scares. That's the one. Because they're already an elite three-point shooting team, and then you add him, and they're going to be even more difficult to deal with. Yeah, and and Kyle Newbeck tweeted that earlier. He said, you know, I don't know if Andre Godala really moves the needle for that, but adding Gallinari to that team would literally make them hell on earth to play. You know, They've already got Jimmy Butler. They've got... Uh, you know Tyler Harrow. They've got they've got Kendrick Nunn. They've got a whole bunch of guys on there that are playing really well this season. You add a guy like Gallinari to that, offensively, defensively, it's going to be hell on earth during the playoffs to play the Miami Heat. Uh, Sixers wise though, 
all hell broke loose on the interwebs today when uh, quotes from Al Horford and Joel Embiid and Brett Brown uh, to the media came through. Uh, you know, everybody wants Al Horford the hell out of here now, and Joel Embiid just seems absolutely dejected. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? Because I I was scrolling the timeline and it was just like so many anti Horford tweets when everybody in the media, including people that know Horford's not a fit here, said it's the complete opposite. I think especially with what Horford and Embiid both said, I mean, these are guys that are frustrated. They're not happy with the way things are going right now. Even more so with Joel. We know he's an emotional guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think that sometimes when everything's not working out for him, he can get caught saying some things that maybe he doesn't mean them necessarily the way he's saying them or things like that. Uh, somebody asked him, do you think the message is still getting through from Brett and the coaching staff? And his answer was, yeah, I feel like everybody's trying, so we'll see. We should be good. Like, that's not an answer. Like, that sounds to me like he, <laughs> we should be good. <laughs> he didn't even hear the question. He's just like, okay, somebody's talking to me, and what do I say at the end of this? So I don't put very much weight in that. We've, we've seen this team deal with adversity time and time again. A lot of the guys that have been here have dealt with this. They've dealt with adjusting to new players. And we've seen this team at full strength knock out every top-tier team in the league so far. Seen them absolutely dominate the Bucks. We saw them without Embiid still beat the Lakers. I just don't think that it's that big a deal. And I think that one or two small marginal moves and just getting everybody back together it can be the answer for this team. While I understand the concern and I am shifting to being more concerned and I try to stay on the positive side, I still have not wavered in, in my belief that I think this team can beat any other team in the league in a seven-game series. Now, the other night, Dan, you tweeted that you were turning on Brett. How are, how are you feeling on, on Brett Brown after today? I was a little bit emotional. I think I've, I've come back to the to the norm a little bit where I generally want to defend him, but none of these quotes from today are really encouraging to me because a lot of the questions asked of players were about Brett and whether they feel like the messages are getting mm -hmm. through from him and whatnot. And even everybody putting on a brave face and trying to walk that you know proper line, it didn't really feel as encouraging as usual. It seems like for the most part during Brett's tenure here, the biggest strength in argument for defending him has been it feels like the players genuinely love this guy, like respect him, like they don't have any issue with him. And this is the first glimpse that I'm getting into this locker room that it may not, he may not have that, um, what's what, he may not have that, like, uh, that kind of pull. Like, they don't, they don't, uh, the, like the support from them. Yeah, right? yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the nomination. I, I can't think of the right word right now, but um, it felt like they were all towing the line with him. And then somebody asked Brett, you know, like, do you feel like they're still listening to you? Do you feel like you're getting through to them? And he didn't even answer the question. He really. said, yeah, but that's more of a question you should be asking them than me. Well, he said to ask them, and then he said, like, I get why you're asking me that. It makes sense that you're asking me that, which. Okay, like he sees why, and I appreciate that. But it also, like, it's I feel like that's coming from you, what, yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a little bit of projection, self-reflection that he understands that 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 is actually the case, and and he doesn't have an answer other than, well, go to them and and let's see if they still have my back. And right. I feel like they all wavered a little bit in that, which is so strange because the past few years it seemed like you know 
Joel has been, you know, he'd go to war for Brett. And granted, we have we didn't really get any other quotes from anyone else today. But it was the the one thing that stuck out to me was Joel Embiid saying that he's still trying to fit in. Like, dude, this is your team. That to me is my biggest cause for concern is that Joel feels like he doesn't fit in here. And he's been here since 2014. Granted, he didn't play for a couple years, but all in all, this is your team and you saying that you feel like you don't fit in, that's a big concern to me. Yeah, he said, quote, I got to spend a lot of time at the three-point line just to make sure there's some spacing. Everybody keeps saying, get in the post. But if you actually understand basketball, you've got to find that balance. And the whole, I think if you understand basketball part is like a real cheap shot. And I think that's where you see the frustration in him because it's not a matter of understanding basketball. Everybody understands basketball. Everybody understands basketball so much that they understand that this isn't working. Well, somebody on the yeah. team needing to provide the spacing shouldn't be your seven foot center who dominates inside. Right. So that's the point. And anyone who understands basketball knows that Joel Embiid is much more effective down low. So the fact that he's saying, oh, like, you know, I have to create the spacing. Well, that's what we're all upset about. Somebody has to do it, but it shouldn't be you. And that's all, unfortunately, a result of Ben Simmons and the lack of spacing that he creates. Like, you know, Ben Simmons guy here, but that's the reality of what it is. But everyone around this team has to tiptoe around that issue, which I think is one of the things stemming in this locker room. And I think is one of the reasons that, like, we, we joke around about Al being like a, you know, a sleeper cell mm-hmm. or whatever. But... <laughs> Al Horford's like the consummate professional, like has been in several locker rooms, like really seems like he has had nothing but, you know, respect and success. And then he comes in and sees this kid who is just refusing to kind of do the thing the team needs him to win. And I'm sure that doesn't sit well with him versus guys that have, you know, grown with Ben that have kind of been like, yeah, this is my guy and I get it and and it's fine and I know how good he is. You know, I think Horford's the first guy to come in and, and maybe rattle the cage and say, yeah, I can see how good he is, but can you imagine how good everybody would be and how much better he would be if he just shot the ball every time he got within five feet with a smaller defender on him? That It's not that hard. Like <laughs> we, we scream about it on Twitter every single game. Like, And the- we praise that when they signed Al Horford, these were the types of things that I think we were excited for him to come in and do, to be a veteran presence, to kind of shut down some of the, uh, you know, naivety and and you know immaturity Mm -hmm. in this locker room and now it kind of seems like i don't know if if they've turned on him as a result of that because they just don't like having the old man around the rest of the team's so young the fans sure don't like it because obviously you bring in an aging overpaid veteran from your biggest rival where have we seen that before that that comes in and rattles (laughs) the cage of two born and bred superstars that you drafted it's pretty clear whose side everybody's going to be on not to say one is right or wrong, but like Al Horford never had a chance in mm-hmm. this in this argument. No, and you know it doesn't help that his sister is still on social media talking about how she misses Boston. Like that's gonna rub fans the wrong way yep. and continue turning fans against Al because know. it seems like I think you- if anything, his sister's been a little bit of help at least because obviously there's been no. No way for the fans to relate to him at all. There's mm-hmm. been no, I mean, he's not a social media guy. And that's one of the reasons that we love Joel. That's one of the reasons that we loved a lot of these guys. Was we felt so like Ben. Reason- we, we anticipate the Ben, you know, blowing smoke yeah, out of the but, nose I mean, emoji. But even with every Ben, day. we get less than a lot of the average guys. But even even Mike Scott, obviously the play's been terrible, but people relate to him because of the, the friend engagement of the show. With him and everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, you're not going to get that from Al. And if anything, I would think that his sister, like the fans seem to have – 
you know, gravitated toward her the same way they have the Ben sister. And a lot of times I think that their voices of reason. And I actually was surprised at how well I think most of Sixers fans like immediately were kind of sticking up for Anna Horford and being like, yo, like she can still Mm -hmm. like Boston. Like she's not on the team. Like she like let her do her thing. Like I thought that was a a rare good moment for what can sometimes be very difficult side (laughs) of, uh, of Philadelphia Twitter, Sixers Twitter, all that. So, I don't. I don't really think that 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 feeds into the Horford thing. I actually think that she's, you know, maybe one of the small things that that gives him some, you know, saving grace here. If anything, it's it's a weird dynamic, and who knows if this team's going to make a deal? You know, there's the the we've talked about there has this to be one. We I, talked about this previously, like a couple months ago too. What would you guys want for a potential deal? See, it's it's tough That's, because I, it's yeah, like it's who do you want to give up and who do you want to bring in while giving up those assets. But Matt and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, saying, you know, overall, like, what's going to improve this team? And, you know, there's not many trade-esque moves that can really take this team over the top. They spent everything last year. Like, everything was pretty much exhausted for the most part. You're going to have to play the margins and, and really work you know, the buyout market and the 10-day contracts and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, isn't that what you'd want them to do anyway? Exactly. You have five starters. Exactly. We've seen that lineup dominate, and we know the issues are just figuring out rotations to stagger them and whatnot and having them all available. Like right now, like I know Josh Richardson, you could argue, is the fifth best starter, if not the fourth. But he's also on one of those controllable type contracts that you need on a team that's paying four guys. Well, and just his his value on the court, even if you say that like overall he may not be that big a thing, he's the guy that, that defends the primary opposing ball handler. He's one of the only guys who can actually create his own shot and get in the mid range. He's probably their best pick and roll. Uh, guard on the team that actually plays relevant time because maybe Trey Burke is about the same, maybe not. Who? <laughs> uh, yeah, not here anymore, <laughs> apparently. But I think the two biggest things they need to do is they just need somebody better to fill in the role that is just a rotating mess of Neto, Burke, Shake Milton, mm-hmm. what have you. And, and Shake's played great yes. lately for the record, but I don't think you can trust him come playoff time just yet. You can't um, have Furkan being your best option off the bench. And granted, Furkan's had a fantastic yeah. season from years past, but that can't but be... he's not a sixth man. Right. No. He, he's the seventh or eighth guy just to shoot a couple, and he's going to be better as a guy that is really like... I think one of the things we talked about in the, in the last Process Potables episode was trying to... Because I still don't know if they're going to send Horford to the bench, although mm-hmm. I agree with it. I think you basically just have to kind of ignore him for the first Joel Embiid minutes of the game and just get Joel going. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to the Horford lineup, because Embiid usually plays the first four or five right. minutes, then you need to get Horford going and pick and roll. And that's a great time to bring Furk on in and kind of play inside-outside with those two. And then I think you'll start seeing people understand the value out Horford brings. But you got to upgrade that guard spot, and that has to transition from – a few minutes of backup point guard, but still playing off of Ben to the sixth man, mm-hmm. which a guy like Alec Burks could absolutely do to a lesser degree, even though for personal reasons, I'm absolutely 100% against Derek Rose coming Agreed. here. Agreed. And I'm well, also against today's rumor of Darren Collison being brought in as a free agent. Yeah. Darren Collison does, does nothing for me really, but Derek Rose on the court, I get it. I don't want him here for the off the court reasons. We don't have to get into yeah. that, but just to make it clear that I'm Plus, against that. The, for those the, the price tag that is on Derrick Rose is absurd. Yeah, I mean this is all this is all outside of what you'd have to give up to the point right. of what they have. I mean the the two second round picks they have that should project somewhere between thirty one and thirty five are pretty valuable. 
And 100%. With how, with how slow this market is, I think the longer you wait, the better off you are, which I think at least right now I'm trying to give credit to Elton Brand for not making the panic move. That flip will switch <laughs> if no move is made. Right. But right now I think, contrary to last year, he's trying to be patient and get more bang for his buck. So hopefully I'm right about that. Elton Brand, if you're listening to this or watching this, don't make a trade at 2 a.m. We need our sleep. Yeah. We're all sleeping. Please. I might actually have to set an alarm. I'm to... begging <laughs> thee. No 2 a.m. trades. But unfor- this is not going to be popular. I mean, it's a lot more popular than maybe it would have been two months ago. But the other thing is you have to upgrade the Mike Scott position. It it doesn't seem like this is just a slump anymore. This seems like this is regression in, in the worst way. And a guy like like Davis Bertans is, is absolutely a huge upgrade. I think he's 42% from three on around eight attempts a game. He's a guy that if you can convince Horford to go to the bench, absolutely can start at the four with Embiid. And can still play the four with Horford, or could even probably be another version of a small ball five. Um, or if you can convince Simmons to do more of that, because I think they've been successful in having Ben Simmons do that. The Grizzlies have agreed to trade Iggy to the Heat. Whoa. So, yeah, I mean, that we said a couple he months agreed ago. agreed to the trade and has agreed to a two-year $30 million extension oh with my. the Heat. Whoa. Okay, that I'm okay with for them, because that's a lot of money. That's crazy. That's an extension. That so that's a, not even this year. An extension. That's two more years at 15 mil a season. Damn. So it's pretty much a sign and trade that's of a Andre Iguodala. Don't know what Memphis is getting back yet. But how, how old is he now? Old. Now that's why two year extension. That's he's like 38. That's think, a pretty I, big deal. No, he's not that old. No. He was 2005 was his first season. You figure he was probably 22 ish. So. Fact checking right now for us. Iggy is just turned 36 at the end of January. But still, to have him locked yeah. up two more years. So he's locked up till he's 38. Yeah. And for 15 million per season, that's not like like I said. If they don't get Gallinari, I love this move for everybody who isn't the Heat. That's a lot of money to pay That's him. Crazy. We'll see what they gave up. I don't think he does much for them. They obviously do need that like stopper wing player because I don't buy in that Jimmy Butler's doing it at this point. But I also don't know that I buy that Iguodala can do it anymore. Even at 36 and not 38, I, I would not trust him. And we have to see you know, when do they even start implementing him in? When does he actually right, start gearing like- up? He sat the whole year. I'm sure he's kept himself in, in, in some sort of shape, but those kinds of things are, are always weird things to me that I don't trust. That's insane. Wow. it's yeah, a lot of money. We love a good live Woj bomb. <laughs> for, Thank you. For the, the, the catching Dan up to speed, when we recorded our off-season preview, not this off-season, but the season before, we were mid-recording when Shams announced that Boogie was signing with the Warriors and had live reaction to that, and then we were live on a Saturday show when the Jimmy deal happened. So NBA stuff just happens when we're live. Um, My thing with all of these guys you're bringing up, like Burks, like Bertans, and guys like that, they're playing on bad teams right now. Obviously, the Warriors, with everything that's gone on with them, they're pretty bad. The, The Wizards, when will they ever be good? Who the hell knows? If you bring in one of these guys like a Bertans, like a Burks, they're going to come in and play less minutes than they are already. How do you feel, you know, with that in mind, knowing that that could affect the way that they're, you know, having the seasons they are in a reduced, you know, role, how is that going to affect their play? Well, you have to, one, figure out, you know, the the way their game translates. So if we bring up a guy like Derrick Rose, I think Derrick Rose is absolutely a guy who needs minutes. 
Will he play the same amount of minutes here that he is in Detroit? Probably not, but, I mean, we have the room for that. you got to playoff rotation shrink. So right now we're looking at the Sixers playing, you know, nine to ten guys a game. Obviously you're going to shorten that to seven or eight. Um, we're going to see health permitting for guys like Josh Richardson and Horford and Embiid, you know, how much they can really go. We know guys like Ben and Tobias are going to play probably like 40 minutes a game. But if Josh still has iffy hamstrings, if Embiid's not 100%, Horford, you know, sitting here at 33 years old, like if they're only playing – 30 minutes, 32 minutes each, and you do have minutes to go around. A guy like Burks, when people talk about his numbers being inflated, you know. I know he's a guy you, you constantly talk about on potables because he is Marty Teller's pride and joy. Yeah, absolutely. Marty has has put me on, on the Burks ship from the first time he talked about him, so all credit goes to Marty for what it's worth. You're not going to get the same numbers that Burks is putting up, but you're not. You don't need him to come here and score twenty. Mm-hmm. You need him to just come here and get a couple buckets. So I think if anything, a guy like him and a guy like Bertans can come in and be even more efficient and realize they're putting up those numbers on bad teams. It means that they're doing it knowing that they are focal points. Bertans comes here, and you have to guard Tobias Harris. You have to guard Joel Embiid. He's not going to be able to get the same attention where in Washington he's – I mean, after Beal, who are you looking to shut down on that team? So when people talk about, oh, they're on bad teams and maybe they're padding stats, I think there's also the argument they get to come and play with ridiculously better players. That's true. There was a lot of talk about this Robert Covington deal and about – you know, Thank God that is over. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to say this in a pro-Covington way. I love Cov. There are so many metrics that – you know, like analytic metrics and advanced stats where he trends very positively – but what you saw in Minnesota was all the things that he's good at and all the things he can contribute don't really help if the team isn't talented. Like, he can't make a bad team good, mm-hmm. but he can make a good team great. And you're seeing guys like Bertans and Burks on bad teams put these things up. I think you put them on a good team. And, yes, the average numbers come down, but the efficiency goes up. Like, their looks get better. So I don't have any issues with especially those. Like, those would be my two biggest things. If you can get Bertans in to fill the Mike Scott role and you can bring Alec Burks in as basically your sixth man, I think a lot of problems get solved. And I think that you have the assets to do it and not feel completely crippled. I think Bertans, you know, a few picks and just matching the salary, like probably having to send Mike Scott for him, maybe you get that done. And then Burks, if if that takes, you know, the other early second you have and – which I think Golden State would love because they're looking for those type of guys in the draft next year to fill out that roster well, on cheaper and contracts. I, I don't, I don't know if it's enough because of how well he's. Played. If they did this trade a month ago, they probably only need yeah. the picks now. You might need Zaire Smith in there, and I don't love it, but I think I do it. I absolutely think I do it. If they trade Zaire, it just speaks to me that they are full blown, all in, committed. Thankfully, but they already to are. Matisse Thibel. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I I think that's the case as well. But people keep saying, "Oh, like it means they're going to be all in for a championship." They they pushed those chips a long time ago. That's they the, did that last year. That's the biggest issue I have is you can't change that now. Like you can't try to shift this back to a to a three to four year window. And people talk about the age of Embiid and the age of Simmons. Yeah, you know, I think twenty six and twenty four. Like, oh, this doesn't have to happen in the next few years. Yeah, but it sort of does. It, it kind of really does because the cap situation is going to get trickier and trickier to deal with. Right now, you have all this talent in the building, and the league is is wide open right now. There's a lot of very good teams, but it's not top-heavy. Like You can absolutely win. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, next year, Durant and Irving and maybe another free agent are in Brooklyn, and you're dealing with Durant four times a year and definitely in the playoffs. 
you know, I, I don't know that he comes back the same, but if he does, it, getting out of the East between him and Giannis is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, my thing with the Nets is I, I like the some of their parts right now. Like, I'm a big Dinwiddie, uh, you know, all, all the guys that they have right now. I don't know how it's going to work once you integrate a personality and, a, you know, the, the driving force that is Kevin Durant. And we like you said, we don't know what he's going to be when he comes back. And I'm just not the biggest Kyrie fan. I think he makes any team he's on worse. The personalities are the scariest part. Because oh, Kyrie yeah. has absolutely lost his marbles. <laughs> and what I actually... what What's difficult for me to process, especially for the last week, because I have genuinely never really liked Kyrie Irving, was, I don't know if you saw, but I believe... I don't know when the interview was, but I think it wasn't all that old that Kobe Bryant was asked, like, you know, they assume that he's like a mentor to a lot of guys in this league. And I think they asked him, like, who's like the guy that like you're closest with who's still playing. And he said Kyrie, like Kyrie was like his number one, like, like guy he talked to. I think they talked about when Kyrie hit that shot to win it for the Cavs in the finals over Golden State that he was FaceTiming Kobe in the locker room. And there were like legitimately people saying that like the Kobe Bryant incident could like shut Kyrie Irving down and make him consider that he's already had a good enough career and that life is short. And mm-hmm. I mean, people well, have we already saw thought he, that his head was already out. And there. he left the arena the night that they were supposed to play right after Kobe passed away. Like I could totally see that. Yeah. Happening. So that, that whole situation is, is weird. But if we imagine that they're all there and they're on the court and they're, Mostly what they are. Just adds it, it, another it, dynamic it to is this a very Eastern scary thing to look is at. Very, you know, up and down, disgusting. You know, everybody talked about LeBron leaving the East was going to open things up. No, it made it that much more dynamic because, you know, it put a spotlight on guys like Giannis and the Bucks. It put a spotlight m- even more on the Sixers. Jimmy going to Miami brought them back to relevance. You know, the East is just as competitive as the West, in my opinion, and I think that's great for basketball. We talked about this on the last episode. It's not going to get any easier for this team, but you know, it is a positive that Joel and Ben are 25 and 23, but you also need to surround them. Those are the core guys on this team. Nobody else truly in my book matters more importantly than those two. Yes, Tobias is going to be here, and he's kind of like that third piece, but you also just need to surround those two specifically with players that complement what they do best to bring this team full blown into what it should be. And so far, Elton Brand and the Sixers have not done that. And that's concerning. Update on the Iggy uh contract. It's pretty much a one and one. There's a team option for the second season. So All right, that's that makes a little bit more sense because that seems crazy to me. Also it's funny that uh we've mentioned Kyle Newback a couple of times because he's been very on top of this deadline so far that uh, the NBA wants to crack down on tampering, yet a guy who just sat out over half the season just signed a contract extension within seconds of <laughs> being on that team. Didn't even Good think about grief. that. There's a, you know, you, Pat, Pat Riley does a great job for what it's worth. As much as, you know, I hate Miami and I hate the Heat and everything, Pat Riley is an incredible GM. And when, they, when we talked about them getting Iguodala and Gallinari, the fact that the Iguodala thing came first makes me think like there's no way that's their only move because it's not enough. Like if you're making that's a that, compliment piece. If, you, if you're making that move, it leads me to believe you already know that you have something else that really pushes the chips in. So I, that makes me think that there, maybe it's not Gallinari, but that makes me think that they absolutely 
probably have a move that maybe gets Drogic out of there for mm-hmm. something. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. People are speculating that Justice Winslow might be going back to Memphis. So that would be interesting because uh, we'll be at that Sixers-Memphis game uh, celebrating our two-year anniversary on Friday night. So this is going to be a, a wild next 24 hours with the trade <laughs> deadline, a wild next you know, few days with the Sixers until they're back on the court against the Bucks. Who knows what's going to happen, but so far – Outside of that four-team trade that involved Robert Covington and Clint Capella going to the Hawks, and I know he's probably uh, just dreading going to Atlanta, uh, and then this Iggy deal, nothing else has happened. But if anything happens uh, while we're live here on Facebook, we will keep you updated. And that's also why you should be following us on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI and at Process Potables. Found out today, guys, though, switching, switching gears to the birds. You know, we've been on offensive coordinator hunt since, you know, the firings, and uh, it has come to an end. Your new Eagles offensive coordinator is Doug Peterson. Shocking. The Eagles will not host the offensive coordinator position on the coaching staff. To me, it makes sense. Doug calls the plays. There's really no need to just kind of put a guy in there just to have him there. They gave Press Taylor the passing game coordinator title today. We'll see how that works out. Uh, and you know, you have Deuce and you have Stoutland in the the run game coordinator uh, roles, but I think this is a positive in terms of there's not a bazillion cooks in the kitchen in Carson Wentz's ear, you know, figuring things out and and just feeding him things that might contradict one another, like we've seen you know the past couple of years where we thought there were too many cooks in the kitchen, kind of giving him information and him not knowing what to take in and what to kind of ignore. Doug's your play caller. Doug's the one that's, you know, dictating what's going to happen on the field. Carson's just got to go out and, you know, produce with it. I'm totally fine with the Eagles not having an OC. I think it makes sense. I mean, like you just said, if he's going to call the plays or call the shots anyway, what's the point of hiring someone else just to stand there with the clipboard? Exactly. Yeah, we talked about this a a little bit before coming on, and and I have several thoughts. One, it'll be interesting to see if – a lot of people were thinking about Deuce just being given the job anyway because he's done a great job as the running backs coach here for a couple of years now. It'll be interesting to see if he, like, even though he's not getting the title, if he gets more say because I think a lot of us had a lot of questions at the beginning of the season regarding the running back rotation, you know, getting the running game going. And I'm hoping that as much as this is also just giving Doug more control and whatnot, that maybe it's kind of giving Deuce more say without giving him the full role because I don't, I don't know – if he's really ready to be a full offensive coordinator, but maybe this is like a transition to get him more capable for that. And the other thing we had mentioned was, it's funny, on the day of the Super Bowl, I watched the Eagles Super Bowl DVD. <laughs> and I, I want to say it was the San Francisco game that they have a clip of Doug meeting at uh, midfield with, I don't even remember who the Niners coach was that year. Uh, I think it was before, it was obviously before Shanahan. I wasn't, think it wasn't Kelly, was it? I don't think it was. It, chip. Wa- it wasn't Chip. It definitely okay. wasn't Chip. But anyway, they're they're talking about Wentz, and he's going like, "This kid's unbelievable. Like his work ethic, everything." He's like, "Last thing he said was, as long as we don't screw him up.'" And to oh, your wow. point, to your point, all all the voices in his ear, all the other stuff. Like we've seen kind of a lot of push and pull with Wentz, and I feel like we've seen him, 
you know, like really understanding the offense and at times been really lost in the offense. And I truly believe that like dog has a special and good and good relationship with him. And that hopefully this move is, is a sign that they are just making sure that they are absolutely doing what is best for this kid and trying to get him absolutely right. And I think it'll work out. That was Shanahan's first year. Oh, it was. Nice. It was probably before he was wearing the Ruka hat, not a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. That (laughs) Um, would make sense. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to this whole thing, like, I think the less people on this coaching staff in terms of just unnecessary titles and just having them here to be here to appease, you know, keeping somebody who's been with the organization for however long, I think it's better to kind of clear that out and and really figure out what's going to work for this team. This is going to be year two that Carson Wentz is fully healthy post, you know, ACL injury. You need to get this thing back on track. You paid him the money. Now put the weapons around. Carson Wentz has not had a consistent wide receiver core around him in his entire career. Well, and that speaks to what's more important. People have been really engaged in this conversation about the offensive coordinator, but can we figure out if you know what moves are they going to make to make sure that the scouting department yeah. has it all together and that they're yeah. going to hit in the draft? Because it has been pretty rough, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and they have to get a weapon. They have to get a receiver in this two. draft. Yeah, at, at, at the very least, we have to walk out of this draft with a guy that is no less than the number two receiver on this team for the next five to seven years. Yes. And and hopefully more than that. Uh, you know, whether that comes from, you know, another receiver, whether it comes from Well, they could sign a guy right now who played they for could the Cowboys do that just too, last season. That came out today. Uh, I'm just saying I've 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 said this to Kyle multiple times. I think I'm on the show saying this. I I would love for us to sign Amari Cooper. It's gonna be expensive, but you have to pay good receivers or good players a lot of you know, money, so this is coming from uh, David Carr, NFL Network analyst. Obviously, his brother played with Amari Cooper in Oakland. Um, he says that if the Cowboys don't re-sign Amari, the next best team to fit you know, the play of Amari Cooper is the Eagles. And he goes on to say, I don't see Jerry Jones breaking the bank for Amari Cooper, and if Dallas's offer isn't up to his standard, it will only take one team to put big money on the table for Cooper to leave. It wouldn't surprise me if Eagles general manager Howie Roseman came calling. There's no doubt Cooper could help this offense, which was extremely thin at wide re- at the wide receiver position last season, with injuries plaguing nearly every starter. Cooper's production doesn't always match his crazy ability, but I believe he'd do well paired with a player like Alshon Jeffrey. Cooper wouldn't draw all the attention, and he wouldn't have to be the guy to the Eagles. Plus, he'd have a field day facing the Cowboys secondary twice a year. First of all, Amari Cooper would be your number one wide receiver. He would be he the guy in. in our team. He would be the guy. There's no doubt about <laughs> yeah. that. We don't even know if Alshon Jeffrey's going to be here. You know, post or how many games March he'll play or whatever well, it will be. Well, that's the problem. Is we talk about them being thin at receiver, and that's true. But they're not thin at what the salary cap hit is at receiver. Right. They have no. so much money invested there. And my, I mean, I'm not an NFL cap expert by any means, but my understanding is Alshon's deal is pretty much you're not getting out of it. You can't. And Deshaun's contract is a good value. The other issue is if you have all of them, like none of them can play the slot. Yeah, health's a big issue too. And 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 yeah, health especially. But even if if you're thinking best case scenario, you pay up Cooper this money and you have all three, how do you use them all? I, I don't think that you can. Yeah, it it doesn't really make sense. Uh, Amari Cooper's got to be the guy on a team like that's just what he is we saw as soon as he got to dallas that's exactly what he became and he thrived if they make that move it, it has to be a clear indication that they have some way to get out of the alshon deal 
everybody's speculating that there is some sort of, you know, loophole in the Alshon deal. I know there is less of a cap hit if you trade him rather than releasing him. It's a bit, it pretty much cuts it in half rather than it being like 35 million in dead cap. It's somewhere like 15 to 17 in dead cap, which still is not great. But the Eagles will have a lot of cap space this offseason. Yeah. I believe they're sitting somewhere around like $65 million in cap space once you know retirements mm-hmm. and, and releases go through. But Amari Cooper would be fun. The only concern I have is, one, his injury history. You know, We talk about the Eagles wide receivers being injured. Yeah, Amari has a, a lengthy history of injuries, especially with his foot, which yeah. is super concerning, uh, especially with how young he is. And... The whole thing with Al Horford coming here, I tweeted, you know, early January that Al Horford is the DeMarco Murray of 2015. We saw what happened when former Cowboys come here. We saw what happened when former Eagles go to Dallas. It just doesn't work. Yeah. T.O. is the exception to the rule because he worked for a couple years. But overall, when has a Cowboy come here and worked out well? And when has an Eagle left to go to Dallas and worked out for an extended amount of time? Not often, but hopefully, Mari, if we sign him, breaks that. I feel like, I mean, going on your point, towards the end of the year, you saw him on the sidelines, disengaged. But that's also my opinion and my understanding. Like, Dallas is a dumpster fire, and I'm just going to say it here. I mean, like, if you're a Cowboys fan, I feel sorry for you. You hired platinum Jason Garrett as your head coach. That's my point. There's such, like, my buddy's a Cowboys fan, and I... God bless his soul. Justice Winslow is part of the package heading to Memphis. That's good. But he was telling me their speculation, like, they might not even like might not even like re-sign Dak Prescott. So that's the state of the Cowboy Nation. They're not sure if they're signing their star receiver, their their quarterback. You know, they don't know what they're doing with, with this, etc. So my point is, like, I feel like he was disengaged, as you saw on the sidelines, because it's dumpster fire, and I wouldn't want to be playing on that team either. And with just my opinion overall, I would rather the Eagles draft two of these stud wide receivers oh. in the first two rounds because of how deep this wide receiver yeah. class is. Rather than shell out a bunch of your cap space to go to Amari Cooper, who is proven, sure, but the Eagles also need some of these affordable contracts no. moving forward, too, because of yeah. how old they've been over the past couple of years. They need to get guys that are going to build with Carson Wentz from day one, and yeah. you just don't know how Amari Cooper is going to fit into Doug Peterson's offense, especially if somehow, some way, Alshon Jeffrey is still here. I only like the Amari. Uh, potential signing because he's so young. I believe mm-hmm. he's 26 hitting free agency, which for a receiver, you know, he should have some uh, a couple good years left. And you got to think, some guys that come out of college are already 23, 22, even 24, so he's not that much older than, um, you know, the guys out of college. Granted, he has more wear and tear on his mm-hmm. body, but I think he would be a great signing. And to go back to the um, Alshon con- uh, contract, I think there are some ways to get out of that. There are a few teams, I was looking the other day, I was bored at work, um, there, there are quite a few teams that have a lot of cap space. Um, you could do in like what, how in other you know leagues you essentially pay mm-hmm. someone via draft capital, right. like hey, the Brock Osweiler trade. Yeah, we'll give you uh, Alshon in the third for like a fifth round pick, you know. And then if a team needs receivers and has cap, I mean they might they might do it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with that. Yeah, your thing about Dallas guys coming here and Eagles players going there not working as well, though, you do have to take the context of a lot of times those guys have been already at, like, the wrong end of their career. Over the hill, yeah. The funny part about Dallas' situation is, like, Jerry cheaping out on all these young franchise yep. guys. Yeah, I love it. It's very odd, and this, this strikes me as there's no way they can pay him because— they have to pay. There's no way they're not paying Dak, right? Oh yeah, no, the, I, I agree with that. I I, I am of the belief. I am of the belief they are going to franchise tag Dak Prescott. 
because oh, I'm here for it. Because <laughs> one, Dak was really Jason Garrett's guy. You don't know how he's going to work under Mike McCarthy, and Mike That's McCarthy really has to figure out if Dak is going to be his guy moving forward. That's a great point. I I I really think the franchise tag is coming, and it's going to spew even more toxicity down in Dallas, which I'm here for. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. We, we... I think that's the biggest thing is like Mike McCarthy, who has come out and said that he's going to learn the Dallas playbook rather than implement his own playbook. Which I don't believe that. Buddy, for a second. that's a mistake. Uh, so Jerry's new puppet. Pretty much, he's <laughs> flattening Jason Garrett. Is that what uh, if he does that, like he needs to figure out. If his coaching style works with Dak Prescott, which I think it will because Dak Prescott is a poor man's Aaron Rodgers, pretty much. You know, he can sling the ball. He's mobile. Young Aaron Rodgers pretty much did that. So it's a matter. But you also got to remember Mike McCarthy also wasted Aaron Rodgers prime. I think the only positive thing for McCarthy in regards to anything with Dak wouldn't even be necessarily the style of quarterback he is, is that I don't think that he is talented enough nor really just has the personality that he's a, a guy who's going to demand a certain style of offense or whatever i feel like he's he's coachable like to give him a, a little bit of credit mm-hmm. yeah is i don't think he's a guy that mccarthy comes in and says we're going to be west coast we're going to be gunslinger mm-hmm. we're going to run more i feel like dak will, will, will be pretty keen to it where like aaron Rodgers was definitely like yeah. okay like you're and the, the best coach, part you're the coach, is, but i don't care we're doing what i want the cowboys strength is running the ball they have a top five running back in the league and mike mccarthy does not run the yep. ball at all that's why i love the it's hire so great um I didn't, I didn't see this, but this is actually about an hour ago. Uh, Anthony Slater, who covers the Warriors, said that Alec Burks was pulled out of the lineup tonight and a trade is imminent before the deadline. So okay. it like he's going somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. Don't know where. Uh, Woj following up on the Iguodala thing. It says, with a team option for 2021-2022, uh, Iguodala is allowing the Heat to keep salary cap flexibility for free agency. If Miami misses on recruiting a max star, the plan would be for Miami to guarantee that season's $15 million. Nobody go to Miami. Just just snub the heat and make them pay 37, soon to be 38-year-old Iguodala $15 million. <laughs> you know what to do. Uh, crazy stuff. The NBA trade deadline is just insane. The Grizz getting Winslow is absolutely stunning. Now that makes – like. It was, oh, my God, the extension is bad. I'm happy that he did it for our sake. Then the team option was like, okay, makes no more sense because there's probably no way that they pick up that option. But now you also sent Justice Winslow out. I Who, if he can stay healthy, that is a big piece for Memphis. Uh, CJ McCollum checks in on Andre Iguodala being traded. Uh, he said, bro, you're a legend at Andre. My guy sat half the season, spent time with his family, promoted his book, sharpened up his post-retirement plans, and cashed out. Cash Respect, out, bro. Always cash out. <laughs> Absolutely man. amazing. Um, but, yeah, when it, when it comes to Dak, uh, you know, I, I personally feel like as much as we bag on Dak Prescott, he's a good quarterback. Like, there, you can do far worse oh, in course. the NFL than Dak Prescott. Um, but I, I just can't wait for the toxicity to keep flowing. Dak and his agent getting even more pissed off that guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff Again, secured their yep. bag and his client is being toyed around by Jerry Jones. And well, yeah. it's just fantastic. There's a quote with him saying, Dak literally said, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm going to be here next year because he has, yeah, he did, has no clue. <laughs> and that's something Veins. as an Eagles fan, put it in the love to see, but that, that's my point going back to Amari. Like they're, they're, they're a joke and you would think they would want to pay their star quarterback, but there is a small scenario where they don't pay either because you know, 
Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones. It's absolutely fantastic. And I love it. I know I know we're all over the place, but I'm more on Alec Burks now. Apparently, he took a long phone call in the locker room in Brooklyn, and several staffers on the Warriors came up to him and patted him on the back. He Oh, it's trade hug season. He and Glenn Robinson III are not playing tonight. Rutrow. Who was also... L-in. Mentioned in a lot of trade Elton. Potentially... With the Sixers as well. Glenn Robinson being a much cheaper alternative to some of their issues. Holy schmoly. Guys? <laughs> Strapping in. We're on the roller coaster for people not <laughs> watching on Facebook. Um, but yeah, this is going to be wild. Oh, and I swear, if you do this at 2 a.m. again, we're going to have problems. That's when all that's when all teams trade like to also get a little sidetracked again. The Flyers, they only trade at like... Two o'clock in the morning, so I wake up. I'm like, oh, granted, the Flyers are mostly dealing with alternate time zones too, because no, there's so many teams yeah, in Canada true. too. The NBA only has the Toronto Raptors. Like, they made that deal with the Clippers last year. Sure, it was 11 p.m. on, what on the West to Coast. Do with time but zones. Time zones go east to west, not north. Yeah, but there's the time zones out west, and it's all funky. And there's there's a lot more different time zones. I'd you can say make, in not time zones. You, you can make the argument like it's a little more difficult because yes. guys from you know, over here, way up here in Canada, going down to like Florida and across. Got to make long distance phone calls. Yeah, I guess. There's there's a lot of speculation now that Justice Winslow going to Memphis is partly, uh, maybe for Gallinari. Yeah, is, is somehow getting Gallinari there, but that doesn't. Then why would they say he's going to Memphis? Because then Memphis is going to trade him. For I him. saw something where it was Gallinari ends up going to. Uh, the Heat, and then Memphis unloads expiring contracts to Oklahoma City. Okay. Somehow, I, I some can, way I, that I, works I can, out I there. I can see that making sense. Um, we'll keep you updated. Justice Winslow, uh, this is from Uh-oh. February 5th. Oh, okay. To, yeah, this is from today. Uh, Dwayne Wade, eye emoji, says, great pickup at Miami Heat, and Justice Winslow with a dot, 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 and the shushing emojis, <laughs> quote-tweeting D-Wade. So he already fits right into Memphis. Amazing. Going, at, going after the old heads. Amazing. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit to uh, the tiniest of baseball news, but to me and Dylan, this is our brand buddy. It could I'm mean here the world. for you. Uh, future Phillies closer, J.D. Hammer, was designated for assignment today. Hopefully nobody picks him up and he just goes to AAA Lehigh Valley. Yes. Figures things out. Because I feel like someone's going to pick him up just because of his age. Nobody do it. I know. We I, will, I hate to be we that will, guy. We will fight if I you don't pick get, up J.D. Hammond. So they DFA'd him, and I was at work when it happened, but the guy that picked up was like 30, right? The mm-hmm. guy that signed? Okay. And he ha- he well, it, was, some- it was Blake Parker that they, they brought back yeah. who stunk. Yeah, so you, you should have just let him go to San Francisco you, with the rest of Gabe's bullpen. You can't DFA Andrew Knapp, but you can DFA a guy who has some potential to be a back of the line reliever, and then you pick up Absolute a thirty year old guy who sucks. I don't know. The Phillies making me mad. That's all I have to say. The biggest that. thing with JD was he walked a lot of guys last year. No, he did. I honestly don't think he was ready yet. Like he should have well, still been in the minors. He, so he got injuries. rushed up. Um, and then they brought him up, called him, put him back down, call, and and ruined his potential to have options still. Um, yeah, I hope he's back. I need JD Hammer in my life. He Which is, is the coolest name for. As soon as he got man. traded for Pat Neshek of all people, JD Hammer was included in a a three player hey, trade. He was that, a throw in that, that got sent back yeah. to the Phillies for Pat Neshek after his All Star season. I was all in. 
I saw his glasses. I saw he wore the Isotopes hat with their logo that looked just like him. The flow was on point. J.D. Hammer will forever be one of my guys. Uh, But the other important Phillies news is that the Phillies announced they are retiring a number for the first time in over 20 years, guys. Roy Halladay's number 34 will be on that brick wall. It will be in the Phillies Monument Park at Citizens Bank Park. May 29th is the day. Best believe I will be there. Uh, And that is the 10-year anniversary of Roy Halladay's perfect game against the Marlins. I am very glad that this is happening because it shows the Phillies are finally kind of breaking that mold of being stingy on retiring numbers. Sure, it still kind of plays to the narrative of, you know, guys in the Hall of Fame are only the only ones with retired numbers. But when you look back at it, the guys that have their numbers retired in Phillies history, they were retired before they even got in the Hall of Fame. So there is still potential for that core four of guys to have their numbers retired talking about Hamels, Utley, Rollins, and Ryan Howard. But Roy Halladay, by far, deserves to have his number 34 up in the rafters for the Phillies, and I'm glad nobody else is going to wear it again. I'm just annoyed that Andrew Knapp was the last person to wear number 34. Yeah, it's kind of gross, especially him of all people. (laughs) Couldn't be a more notable player. I mean, there are the uh, trade speculations for Chris Bryant. That's something. That too. Uh, you know, Clintac, you want to make it up for us for letting go of our boy? Go get Chris Bryant. Yes. Uh, but your thoughts on on the Halliday jersey retirement? Because I think it's important. He's you can't tell the history of that run of Phillies baseball without Roy Halliday. Yeah, and the same core four you mentioned as well. Like it's all it's all going to come. I know that it seems like sometimes they're a little bit behind the ball with this stuff, but I think that. They've had a lot of ups and downs the past few years regarding the public perception of this team, and even this past season with the with the Harper signing, which everybody was really excited about, it didn't look like it translated to ticket sales the way they probably wanted it to. Uh, Chris Bryant will absolutely help that because even with this starting rotation that I absolutely do not trust to get a sniffing the wild card, they will put up runs, which at least is fun to watch, if nothing else, even if you're losing every game 8-7. to We seven. love Dingers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the holiday thing, the backlash they would have received had it gone much further would not have been worth it for mm-hmm. them. And, you know, I mean, how much credit can you give them for realizing that? I don't know, but at least they didn't get it wrong. They got it right. Awesome. Uh, holiday was absolutely the best pitcher in baseball for, for several years. And the fact like it, it spoke more to the success we had once he was here even though we had tremendous success and he himself and the team, it all it all came together. But it felt so good that we got him. He was he was the guy everybody wanted. He was the premier name in baseball as far as pitching. And he could have gone wherever he wanted and would have gotten however much he wanted and he came here. And at that time it was like, Oh my god, like you couldn't believe it. And then the the Negadelphia in so many of us thinks like okay well you know his best like some pe- some people were legitimately saying even at that time oh his best years will be behind him and in CBP of and, all places like the numbers and so won't many people translate. were pissed they were like god damn it we <laughs> traded Cliff Lee to get Roy Halladay what the hell are we doing and then Cliff Lee came back too yeah he did. It, it it all worked out and man like the. The no hitter in the playoffs, the oh the perfect goodness. game against Miami, like the the guy gave us so much and won a Cy Young. Like now the the uh, the the controversy in me kind of says, do do you think that the Kobe thing had anything to do with pushing this up their agenda list? Because that's a good. I did not think about that. That's a great point. 
Like that's a great like I said point I, to think I, I don't about. really know how much credit I can give them for getting this right because it, it's a layup of a move. But the timing of it sure seems like they just kind of yeah. got hit with okay, like you know what, like you know the the public mourning and outcry for these athletes that they love. Like we really need to understand like how important this is, and we need to get these things right and. I think and, that and, plays and, a part. And credit in, them as they should be. I think it being the first kind of milestone year since his perfect game happening played a part in it. Uh, I think that it's a Friday night played a part in it from perfect the ticket storm. sale uh, standpoint. Overall, I'm I'm thrilled it's happening. I'm just intrigued to see now since this is the first time in you know 20 ish years that a number's being retired the dominoes start how the dominoes fall and how they're going to kind of realign that brick wall out in center field because those numbers have been painted on there since citizens bank park opened how are they going to fit you know numbers once it comes in so that they're prominently displayed the way that they deserve to be i would love for any like everybody from that run to have like their own spot somewhere else like they were they were such a core group they're all like you know like a part of each other like i don't think that like rollins needs to be somewhere and at least somewhere like if you can somehow definitely next have all that together in this space just be like this was that that core that time those guys like that would be really really awesome and it'd be just like and not like citizen park is so great there's so many things to see so so many things to check out that that would just be yet another thing to just like go up to and like take pictures and, and, and remember and memorialize and and that would be a really really cool thing. The cool thing too, this is not an ad from the Phillies, but if they they want to give us tickets to give away for this night, please reach out to us. Uh, the giveaway for that night is amazing. So I don't know if you guys know like the the upgraded kind of uh, wall of fame area with the monument yeah, yeah. park that they set up with the giant numbers that are there for the retired. They're giving away replicas of Roy Halladay's giant number. Oh wow, that's awesome. That is a must have. Might, might have to hop on the uh, we interwebs will, right now. I <laughs> will be there, no doubt about it. I am skipping out on PLL Boston for it uh, because Roy Halladay is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I Absolutely. can't miss his jersey number being retired. Um, let's end the show with some hockey talk, Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Fly Guys are back from the All Star break. They are. They're finally Our Flyers hockey. Hall of Fame ballot is live, so make sure yes, you guys vote in vote. that. We gotta know who's going uh, in. Balloting will end soon. We will end the show with the Eagles ballot coming out Ooh. live on the show. So, but let's get some hockey talk in. What's going on with the Fly Guys? Um, the Flyers are staying in there. It sucks that their division is the best in hockey. Um, if, if, if I feel like when they you know need a team to lose, they win. Every single one of them. So the Flyers are still behind. Um, not by a lot. You know, playoffs aren't a long shot this year. We're not like 20 points looking up. Uh, there's actually a good chance they could be in the playoffs this year. And some good uh, some good news about the Flyers is Nolan Patrick uh, was cleared for practice. We are on ham and cheese yes. watch, ladies and gentlemen. Which, for people who don't know, that also means contact, obviously, since he's in practice. So that means he's skating with the boys, practicing, taking rushes, taking shots, doing sprints, doing everything else. Um, I wouldn't get your hopes up, though. You probably won't see him for a while. He hasn't played the sport, you know, in a while. So I would say probably a week or so of practice. Do you think he's going to go down to AHL, Lehigh Valley and I, get up to speed? Yes, I think that's a smart. It's great for our content. Yeah, Shout out to Alex. I, I think it would be kind of dumb and inconsiderate to throw him into the wolf, so to speak, like right away, just because he hasn't. I mean, the season's over. It's over halfway, you know, completed. So, like, 
He needs time. He needs games under his belt. Nolan getting back right for the playoff yeah. run, baby. I mean, I th- hockey especially, like you have to get acclimated back to the physicality too. Your skating legs, when you, know? you go, when you go when you go through what he's gone through. Yes, and like it would like his sa- his personal safety is at risk if he goes out there and isn't fully at speed and yeah. isn't as aware as you need to be and everything like that. So you go down, the game's a little slower. You get more mm-hmm. acclimated because you put a guy cold out there and he, and he's just as likely to end up right back out. Agreed. Yeah, that that's why I feel I, I believe it's up to two weeks a player can go down uh, to the uh, minors for his stint for uh, conditioning stint. So hopefully it's a two weeks in which the Phantoms have a lot of games, and he can you can get you know four six maybe like seven games in get some reps in then come to the Flyers and, and even then don't expect him please don't <laughs> put him on a pedestal. It, there's gonna be some pains when he comes back, like, you know, like you were saying. Honestly, like, you know, let's say all this happens. I wouldn't expect him to regain form until, like, playoff time if the Flyers make the playoffs because there's only a handful, not a handful, but there's only so many games left, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take him at least 10, 15 games in the NHL to regain um, what we want from our Nolan Patrick, from a ham and cheese boy. You've got a way in, too, that, like, they also are fighting for a playoff spot. Yes. And there's something to be said about the chemistry they do have, the success they've been having. Yeah, and it's hard to throw him in there. How, how much can you sacrifice your success to get him acclimated and stuff, which which may work out for both sides, the fact that, you know, maybe you don't want to bring him back in in such a substantial role yeah. and he's just he's just filling some, you know, a- extra shift type stuff early mm-hmm. on and, and you can ease him back in and not be counting on him to be like your, you know, second line center or anything like that. Yeah, uh, I think I've figured out the the key to the Flyers winning though, and that's Kevin Hayes scoring shorthanded goals. Okay, I just want to say like I was on the show saying this a while ago, and I haven't said it publicly, but I kind of love Kevin Hayes. Same. <laughs> I, I hate that I love him, but man, <laughs> oh. he is such a good personality. He is what the Flyers have craved for years. Well, he's changing. He's changing like the the way their locker room like I it's feel so like, great. Like he's bringing life. He's bringing this goofiness. He's also he seems like a leader. Kind of hot. Yeah, and he's he has, uh, I believe, 17 goals. And, you know, he's on pace to probably get around the 50-point mark, which is what you want from a guy because he's a player like Coots that plays both ends of the ice. And granted, yes, his contract's overpaid, but you have to overpay in free agency in just about any sport. So in terms of longevity-wise, yeah, I'm sure I'll be, you know, bitching and complaining, you know, year five and six. Yeah. But for now, for now, next couple of years, I'm on the Kevin Hayes train. Like, I actually want to get his jersey. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not the the biggest hockey expert, but I was pretty upset at that signing because of of the overpay, which I I get. You do yeah. have to do, and I understood. And I I said even a few weeks ago that just looking at his stats, I I don't think he's really living up to it which shouldn't surprise anybody but to your point the locker room and and what he brings to the team personality wise is so refreshing because we saw you know the Eagles Super Bowl run like they were so much fun there it was such a great time out there and we 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 connected to that mm-hmm. we've seen before this sixer season at least like we fell in love with a guy like joel because of his personality mm-hmm. because of that like the flyers haven't had that in god we saw long, like, even just last year with bryce harper coming here like the energy exactly. he brings like, and like, just he like walk off grand slam and they're boom, going nuts like and, put in my veins like, and then the like, flyers have been such a, such a, a like for lack stagnant. of a better term, like a boomer yeah kind of team yeah and no like, they've it, been, it's been stagnant been hard to have from a player side of things yeah not like not only their lack of like it's not even the flyers though it's honestly hockey players per average yes. are just kind of boring people i mean it's, it's but there sick. are young kids making yeah. the game yeah. fun and, and although we don't necessarily have like 
the youngest flashy stars like we have a guy like tk who's fun yeah and he's you, awesome and now he's another a, one of those personalities that i think kevin hayes having a, a personality has, has unlocked Absolutely. another level of yep. tk personality mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so like i gotta give him a ton of credit for that and it does seem while like you know on a on a game by game basis like his numbers don't jump out like it does seem mm -hmm. like he has a lot of very impactful moments just mm -hmm. this season alone so like I'll give him credit that it seems like he has kind of been there when they've when they've needed him, which is which is important and something this team has lacked. When like I look at a guy that that I've had an issue with for a few years now, and like Jake Voracek, who I feel yes. like puts welcome, up, welcome puts up empty numbers, <laughs> but whenever you actually need a goal, cannot be found or at turns all. the puck over. Yeah, like so to that point, you know, I, I at least give Kevin Hayes credit for the fact that I do feel like he has several like impactful moments just no. in this regular season alone and hopefully that can continue the longer he's yeah. here and gets acclimated and they, and they build this thing up more yeah so i think i think we can all agree you know like short term the contract really isn't that bad yeah looking way ahead yeah it's gonna hurt but for now what he's bringing i'm not mad at all with the signing let's go fly guys yeah and I, uh, uh, I can't blame him i would sign the paper if they offer me that to uh, our final segment before we get to our, our Hall of Fame ballot that we'll put out live. Uh, today is National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Yes, it is. And Underground Sports Philadelphia is beyond fortunate and thankful enough to work with some amazing women in sports, uh, especially our photographer, Alex McIntyre. She has really elevated our content and helped build this whole operation we have going on to heights that I didn't even imagine uh, working with her is an absolute blessing day in and day out. Uh, she's really changed kind of the trajectory of what we do here uh, just with the, you know, the flick of a switch on a camera. So, Alex, you are one of the most incredible humans that I've gotten a chance to work with in this almost two years, uh, and this whole thing would not happen without you. We've also gotten the opportunity to, you know, while it was short-lived, Brooke Destra was part mm -hmm. of this whole thing early on, really helped build up the, you know, the main content, really helped, you know, get our lacrosse content up and running last year uh, with our press box, uh, you know, podcast that we did after home wings games. Uh, Brooke, obviously working at NBC Sports Philadelphia now, uh, she's crushing the game. We've got my sister who does a lot of behind the scenes stuff, whether it's, you know, figuring out content to put up on social media, that kind of stuff. Uh, Alexis Cuzzo, one of our other photographers. And we've also got some awesome friends that are, you know, women in sports, whether it's, you know, Heather Barry doing her thing with SB Nation. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on, and, and women belong in sports. There shouldn't be any differentiation uh, no. between men and women in sports. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to all our lovely ladies that we get to work with on a day-in and day-out basis because you guys are a thrill to work with, and what you do is absolutely incredible. Um, but I think it's time to put the Eagles ballot out into the interwebs. The Eagles season was a tough one, to say the least. Uh, how are we feeling about this ballot? Obviously, three options. The fourth one will be a no vote. Uh, that we implemented this year, but Eagles-wise, whether it's on or off the field, who gets kind of your your spot on the ballot? Hmm. Me personally, as as weird as it is, and who knows if he'll be here past this year, I think Boston Scott deserves a spot on this ballot just because that final stretch run doesn't happen without Boston Scott and his owl head. Uh, you know, doing his his moves in the end zone, and I don't still don't know how he did it. 
and he was a big part on why the Eagles made the playoffs. I think Boston Scott gets a, a, a spot choice. on uh, the ballot for me. Um, it's it's tough to really come up with other ones. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, and I was thinking about Malcolm Jenkins because he's always been an outspoken leader. But kind of similar to how you said about Boston Scott, there's a good chance Malcolm Jenkins won't be here next year. Granted, Malcolm was also our Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. That's true. So played 100 percent of the snaps. Yeah, and he's, two not, he's definitely. Years. I mean, he's unquestionably the biggest leader for our defense. So I think I think Malcolm deserves a deserves a, a, a spot on there. We also have Deshaun Jackson's return that occurred this year. Greg Ward season. <laughs> Mine's got to be Brandon Brooks. Okay, he, he is consistently not genuinely like discussed as being maybe the best offensive lineman in the entire league. Definitely the best guard. Uh, you know, he he's also been on the yeah. forefront of talking about anxiety amongst professional athletes, which came back know, from an Achilles injury. Yeah. The way wasn't he, he the did. second best ranked player like offensively in football this past season? So, somewhere up there would, would not surprise me. Um, yeah, and and my last one was going to be that Achilles recovery. That is an injury that that takes so much longer, and it's a guy that size playing at that position, and he comes back and he is literally the same player. He he is absolutely perfect, if not better. He he always grades out to to easily like the best guard every week, if not the best lineman every week. And I still think for the fact that like the city has embraced him and genuinely recognizes how good he is, I still think that he's criminally underrated. And when we're talking about, you know, wanting to get Wentz back on track, wanting to make sure that he's fully healthy, like it starts obviously with your offensive line, and 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 he's he's been a huge part of that. So to recap, Boston Scott, Malcolm Jenkins, Brandon Brooks, I think that is a pretty solid yeah. lineup, especially for just how this Eagles season went. You know, Deshaun could be thrown in there, but he only played one game, unfortunately. Um, I think his return was a huge moment this season, but until we see Deshaun back out on the field for the Eagles, I think it's uh, tough to put him on the ballot considering what those three guys did this year. So we will put this ballot out on the social medias and uh, place your vote to uh, let us know who you think's getting inducted. Our Legends ballot is out there to continue voting in. We gave out our first community award to our little dude Giovanni. The Flyers ballot is live. The Phillies ballot is live. And uh, we will end all things probably tomorrow. We will put out the Sixers ballot, and uh, we will announce everything on Saturday. Actually, we'll put the Sixers ballot on our anniversary. Friday, we'll put that out and then announce everything uh, on Saturday on our live show. Final thoughts for today on any of the topics. Trade deadline still... uh, Nothing going down because that's just what happens. Uh, hopefully the Sixers do something and don't stand pat. Unless, you know, they stand pat because people are asking too much. Yeah. I mean, just waiting. You know, it'll be it'll be 3 a.m. when a trade goes down for the, uh, the um, Sixers. But yeah. uh, officially the Hawks have placed Chandler Parsons on waivers. Ooh. But uh, overall, let's let's get this thing figured out, boys. We're too good of a team for the Sixers to be struggling the way they are. This this locker room toxicity that it seems like is going on needs <laughs> to stop. Uh, we're on ham and cheese watch, obviously. Bring Eagles. me Chris Bryant. Bring us Chris Bryant. Yeah, definitely here for Chris Bryant. Or Nolan Arnato. I'm not picky. I'll take either one. I personally think, you know, after seeing this Mookie Betts trade that we didn't even really touch on, uh, the Chris Bryant, you know, what you'd have to send to the Cubs 
is going to be way less than what we thought it would be. Well, if Mookie got that return, Chris Bryant's a lesser player than Mookie, mm-hmm. you know, and so yeah, exactly. Yeah, sign I, me up. I'm still just afraid to move on from Alec Bohm because he is. Me and Matt have kind of invested our uh, our prospect fandom into him, but overall, if you have to move Bohm and and keep Spencer Howard, I think I would do that if it brings you Chris Bryant. Yeah, I would do that as well. Uh, they definitely can't really afford to give a pitching prospects at this point because <laughs> they're going to have to obviously spend money there as well as need to have people come up through the organization there still. But if somehow you can put together enough to not even to not even do that, because there's also the uh, the rumor that the DH may be here as soon as the following season, that if you somehow can pull off still having mm-hmm. bomb, then you can kind of fit everybody in. Exactly. Reese Hoskins, Reece Hoskins, Hoskins DH. DH. You don't have to have him in the field anymore. Boom! If he doesn't work out defensively at third, can to switch first. to first. Uh, there's a lot that could potentially happen, you know, within the next couple of years in baseball that could be a huge positive for the Phillies. So, obviously, spring training is a week away. Shout out to Heather Barry too. She's going to be at spring training covering it for uh, SB Nation, and uh, super stoked for her because she's one of the best in the game. Um, but yeah, follow us on Twitter, guys. Uh, hold on, Tyler Hero is trending. Okay, it's just fan trends. It's about False the, alarm. Heat Twitter woke up. That would have been wild. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI, at Process Potables on the Twitter machine. You can follow me, at KBIZZL311, at Dylan Mazzola, at Dan Says That. Dan, let everybody know uh, also the special announcement we put out there because uh, – we, we're we're going to be having some fun in April down in Atlantic City. Yeah, so Process Potables is officially on the podcast stage at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival this year. We will be at all three sessions, April 3rd and 4th. Uh, the sessions are Friday night the 3rd, 8 to 12 p.m., Saturday the 4th, noon to 4, and then 6 to 10 uh, there's like 150 breweries. There's games. There's prizes. Newfound uh, Glory. Yeah, musical acts. We'll be there Friday. The wow. Early November, Newfound Glory, Goldfinger, and uh, Against Me are, are just some of the bands that are there. It's an incredible time. The company that puts it on Good Time Tricycle is an amazing company. They do all the huge events in Atlantic City, and they're all always successful. I've gone to the past six just as a patron, so I can personally speak to the the value of the uh event in itself you know the ticket cost is is well worth it and then some uh also we'll have ticket giveaways we'll have links to where you can get tickets and uh we should also hopefully have an idea of who we may get to speak to there i've heard whispers of things from very big musical artists to potential athletes to breweries and it's it's going to be a heck of a time for some content. We're going to be vlogging the whole thing. I'm going to be down there with the boys. Uh, get your tickets. AC Beer Fest is going to be wild. This is going to be my first one. Everybody knows I don't drink. That's why I'm going to be the designated content creator. Uh, very stoked for this. It's a huge opportunity for the network. Dan's been grinding his ass off with Steve and Corey, uh, getting this thing even further beyond what it was before Process Potables came into the network. And... Uh, Dude, I can't wait. You know, yeah, and you mentioned for people that don't drink one, I I believe there's like DD tickets that are obviously much cheaper because you're not getting the right. beer part. But the music, the games, uh, all the vendors there. Obviously, there's a podcast stage, so there's plenty of things like that. There's like 
you know, like like demos and and I think like like things like that, like demonstrations and there, there there's so much there. Even if you're not actually there to drink, and again, I'm pretty sure that gets you in for much cheaper because you know part of the big price mm-hmm. cost is you know 150 breweries being there. So there's there's truly something for everybody. And then there's like after parties all over the city. Usually, I know one of the nights like uh, Bally's will will have another band that kind of fits in that mold. Perform at the Wild Wild West Bar for free. Like I think a year or two ago, Reggie and the Full Effect played for free. Like or can't I think, beat. It. I think the Get Up Kids might have played. Uh, so I don't think that's been announced yet, but mm-hmm. there's there's a track record of that happening and that being free as well. So newfound a- glory alone, from a music standpoint, should get your asses I mean, there on New- Friday night. Newfound glory in your early November is a, a forty to forty five dollar concert ticket Easy. in Philadelphia, and you go to this, and there's so much more going on. And it's not Plus, it, it's process not potables is going to be on the goddamn podcast stage. Let's go. Yeah, Newfound Glory, much bigger get, but the, <laughs> and t- the music experience is nice because you go to like a, a show in Philly, and there's plenty of great venues in Philly, but it, it can be very cramped if you're like claustrophobic, like I am. Sometimes it, it's super uncomfortable. You don't like getting bumped into. Like this is in the Atlantic, like the convention center. This place is huge. And these events sell out, but it's not shoulder to shoulder at all. There's plenty of breathing room. There's plenty of space. You can the stage is right in the middle of the entire thing. You can see it from everywhere. Not a bad seat in the house. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people go to this thing. I believe it's about five thousand a session, if I'm not mistaken. So that's insanity. Super pumped to have Process Potables down at AC Beer Fest. Get your tickets because it's going to be a wild, wild time uh follow us all on the social medias instagram twitter uh process potables underground phi and uh subscribe to each podcast feed underground sports philadelphia process potables the little purple app apple podcast leave your five star ratings and reviews let us know who you want in the underground sports philadelphia hall of fame from the eagles ballot uh, your thoughts on what potentially happens during this nba trade deadline and we got a youtube video coming out tomorrow at noon content baby content uh you know any thoughts that you have on the philly sports scene leave it in your podcast reviews we've been getting a lot more reviews in recently which is a good thing uh keep them coming and uh if you don't have an iphone upgrade your phone so you can leave a podcast review on apple Podcasts, or you can check us out on spotify google play stitcher soundcloud the tune in app iHeartRadio, radio radio.com wherever you get your podcasts we are there and uh we'll be back on saturday talking you know the recap of the trade deadline uh whatever goes down with the phillies any eagles news that comes out because they still need a wide receiver coach uh and any hockey talk that goes down uh we'll have you covered also big shout out to big red taking home the super bowl andy reed bravo well done sir uh well deserved andy's a first ballot hall of famer in my book now and uh yeah his quote did you spend last night with the trophy? Oh, no, I spent it with my, my trophy, trophy wife. wife. What a what legend. What a king, dude. Andy's a legend. As always, guys, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall. It is tax season. Get your taxes done with the best in the game. Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, powered by our friends that still need to eat a shirt, Design Tree. We launched a new Bryce Harper design absolutely fire on our storefront today uh two iterations of it one with the black phi headband he wore for a couple games last season and of course the iconic uh fanatic headband that is upside down like it was when he was in the dugout wearing the powder blues we are doing a giveaway on our twitter at underground phi 
We've got two hoodies on the block. All you got to do is follow Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter and Design Tree on Twitter. Retweet and like the tweet. It's that easy. There's only one because I won the other. I mean, I might have the other one, so just just follow us for the thrill of it. Uh, but like I said, we'll be back on Saturday. Make sure you check out Process Potables and uh, listen to the content. It's great. I've learned so much listening to that show, and I don't drink. And the, the brewery interviews are stellar. They're fantastic. The Sixers talk is great. And uh, you guys are crushing the game. Happy to have you as part of the fam. And, uh, yeah, so for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, for Dan, for Dylan, I'm Kyle. This has been episode number 208, and we are signing off. Peace.